Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in once again to the place where sports opinions collide. Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. The Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals are heating up. And we've got everything covered for you right here. We're also going to get into some NBA trade talks as well as a little bit of NFL talk. Of course, I'm going to be joined by my boys. You know my partners from Dead End Hip Hop, B, Ken, and FIFO. So pass the word. Dead End Sports. It's about to go down. Right now. Ken at K-B-I-N-G-E. 
Uh, you can follow FIFO at F-E-E-F-O-247. And you can follow me, 12Kyle, the number one, two, K-Y-L-E. Uh, remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, make sure that you check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. You can also catch us on Stitcher as well. If you have a uh, Android or iPhone, just go to the uh, Stitcher application. Uh, just go to the application store. Download the Stitcher application for free. Doesn't cost anything. And uh, upload the Dead End Sports show by searching Dead End Sports. That way you can listen at your leisure, at home or on the go. It's just that simple. Again, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, I'm not even sure if two hours is enough. It, 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 it never seems like it's enough. Um, but we're going to do our best to get it in as we did, uh, as we do each and every week. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on my co-host, you know my partners from Dead End Hip Hop. First, let me start with uh, my man, the Detroit representer, uh, Mr. Detroit versus everybody. Got to bring in my man, B, to the convo. B, what's going on, Playboy? B. Okay, B's not picking up. <laughs> it shows that B is here. Uh, let's try. All right, let's try this line. B, are you, know, you on there? Yeah, yeah, you didn't mute. There we go. Was, there we go. You know what? I, I think yeah. I picked up the wrong line. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, man. How, what's going on? What's up? What up? Chilling, man. Chilling, chilling. Just putting everything together. About to jump on this hangout real quick. Um, yeah. Let's bring in the point guard of the crew. My man, FIFO. FIFO, what's good, man? What's good, man? Chilling, 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 man. Ready to talk some sports, man. And last but not least, let's bring in Professor X. <laughs> the brains of the operation, my man, Ken. Ken, what's going on, Playboy? Hey, man, what's good, man? Trying to uh, get some sound on my end. Uh, computers are acting a little funky. I don't know what's going on today. But uh, but I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I, I, I like the lineup. I think we're going to have a, a pretty interesting show tonight. Definitely, definitely. As always, the phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. A lot of sports to talk about, man. We're going to keep it hot and heavy. Hit us up. Uh, call in. Hit us up. Jump in the chat room. Hi, tweet us. Whatever you want to do, we're going to be here, and we're setting up the Google Hangout in, as we speak. Um, let's start there, man. Last night... Uh, Indiana <laughs> took it on the chin. Uh, I guess taking it on the chin would be uh, an understatement. Um, Indiana loses uh, game four, the pivotal game four, and are now down uh, three games to one to the defending champion Miami Heat. Um, another, you know, terrible performance by uh, Mr. Roy Hibbert, uh, the center, who had just as many points as the four of us. Um, he did manage five rebounds and a block. Uh, but, you know, their, their troubles don't start there. Obviously, uh, Lance Stevenson um, made some comments, and some felt like he was barking up the wrong tree with LeBron. Lance Stevenson did not score a basket until five minutes left in the game. Uh, he finished with nine points. Um, a lot of things have gone wrong for Indiana. Uh, FIFA, I'll start with you, man. What will it take for Indiana to stay alive in this series? Or can they even stay alive in this series? 
Um, no, nah, they can't stay alive. And the main reason is because, like I've been saying, they need a point guard. Um, and, Jay, and the people that were calling the game, I forgot who called the game, uh, you know, they alluded to it. You know, they just need playmaking. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Jeff Van Gundy and um, Mark Jackson that called that game. And um, and even Jalen during the halftime show, uh, you know, they have a lack of playmakers, and that's mainly the problem. Uh, when, when when you watch the way Miami played and the way they came out, I think that Bosch neutralized Hibbert uh, right out the gate. Um, he made Hibbert uncomfortable, uh, you know, by making him come out there and, and play that three-point line. And also, you know, just being really aggressive offensively, I think that kind of took Hibbert out of it. Um, but, you know, down the stretch you've seen it. Uh, Indiana just does not have the playmakers that Miami does. You know, uh, Norris Cole and Mario Chalmers are both better playmakers than George Hill. LeBron and D-Wade, you know, nobody on Indiana squad could even see them in terms of playmaking. And, you know, even Ray Allen, I think that he's underrated as a playmaker um, on that team as well. So I, I just think there's too many playmakers. And, and at the end of the day, for Indiana to beat Miami, there's two stats that are, that are important. Number one is turnovers. Number two is three-point shots. Because those two stats right there negates their defense and their rebounding. So if they if they have more turnovers than Miami and Miami scores points off of those turnovers and Miami hits threes, Indiana has no chance. I don't care who they put on that. That's true. That that is that is so true. Um, it, it, it's and I, I agree with you about Ray Allen, man. Very slept on. I mean, obviously he went berserk on um uh, on was that what was that Saturday night game three? Um, yeah, game three. Yeah, game three he was just he was phenomenal. Um, so I'll, I'll throw it to you, B. What what is it going to take for Indiana to stay in this series, or can they even stay in this series? No, they they there's no way Indiana's going to beat Miami three straight games. I mean they they're out of it. They could probably push it to a game six, but I don't I do I don't see them going out there because coach Coach Vogel he already pretty much sucked the life out of them, saying that their confidence is shaky. I'm like, dude, why are you saying this, uh, Coach? You're not, to, you're not supposed to be saying this about your team. I mean, at least, at least not in the public, in the media. You know what I'm saying? If you're gonna, if you're gonna address that, address that to the team. You know, in the locker room, or, or you know, say it off cameras at the in the house with your wife or something. Don't say it on the meet, right in the press conference, saying, "Yeah, the camera's a little shaky." You, you pretty much already lost the series at that point, in my opinion. Like, why would you, why would you put that out there? So. Yeah, I mean, and this is this uh, Indiana's body language after game, after game um, four was just like you know they just look like they just kind of out of it. I don't think their confidence is there. I mean, coach is right. You ain't supposed to say it, but yeah, their confidence right. is taken. And if, you know what? And then this is another thing. Like, regardless if your teammate is right or wrong, I think you should back your teammate up. You, should, Paul George, if you want to, if you think that uh, Lance Stevenson is barking up the wrong tree, turn to him in a private conversation. Don't say it. In front of the press, in front of the media, in front of the world to see, oh, I think he's barking at the wrong tree. Back your teammate up. Back him up. If, you, right. if, if, that, if he want to say something to kind of get the team sparked up and going, then back him up. Even if you think he's wrong, back him up. Back, that's your teammate. You know what I'm saying? You, you're going to war with this guy. Y'all trying to beat, y'all trying to beat the, the, the defending champions. And don't, don't act like you siding with the enemy and say, oh, he's barking mm-hmm. up the wrong tree. Yeah, sure, you're waking up a, a, a sleeping giant by going at LeBron like that, but... Paul George, just back your teammate up if he's right or wrong. If you if you have a problem with him saying that, 
say it to them probably on the, on the phone or on a plane, a plane <laughs> ride back to Miami or something like that, man. Don't don't address it to the media for the world to see. But overall, yeah, I think Indiana, they make confidence in shot. They're, they're done. The bilingual was, was a wrap. You're not winning three straight against the defending championships. I don't see it, especially with Hubert playing like like the way he's playing. And, and I want to say something right quick. I know this is like a late right. pass, but how in the entire hell was Hibbert an all-star? And like, <laughs> with, 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 in the East, with Al Jefferson balling the way he balled, and Andre Drummond was lead, was East, Eastern Conference lead-leading double-double guy. Like, and Roy Hubert averaged 10 and 6 in this whole season, and it's like, how is he an all-star? But dude is just, he just, man, he's just so terrible, man. Like you said, zero points, only five rebounds. Yeah, uh, um, people made a great point about Bosch and neutralizing uh, Hubert, making him come out and, and defend more. And then, well, Paul George complaining about the referees. If you look at it, Miami drove the basket like 27 times compared to Indiana's 11 times. So that would tell right. you. If if you if you get to the lane, you're gonna get the whistles. The ref is going to help out if you get to the lane and get aggressive. So blaming that stuff on the ref, you can't really blame on the ref because Miami was just more aggressive. They they flip, they flat out outplayed y'all, and that, that's all that's all there was to it. Hey, you know what, B? It was interesting. Paul George's comments when he was like um, that we outplayed Miami. Hell no, I'm no, not no you did not play outplay Miami. Right, he did. I don't know what the hell he was talking about. Goodness gracious! I'm done. What about you, Ken? Uh, what, what's your take on it, man? Can can they? What is it going to take for them to stay alive, or can they stay alive? Uh, how far do you see this thing going? Um, I, I think the obvious is winning tomorrow. Um, but I think statistically the odds are against them winning tomorrow, and it, even if they win tomorrow, the odds are are against them winning game game six. Um, the only way Indiana has a shot is, is to get this to uh, to a game seven and uh, try to use to their advantage the the home court um, that they fought for all year, and that would you know give them a shot. Obviously, if you push the Heat to seven games after trailing three one, your confidence should be on ten, if not higher, because. It's the same exact scenario that you touted and bragged about and preached about all year. You got what you wanted, game seven in your building. Right. But I think the odds of that happening are are extremely tough for them because it's not the ability or that or their it's not their ability to beat Miami. But I think, as some of you have already mentioned on the show already, it, it, a lot of it has to do with with uh, with their mental fight. Um, Vogel doesn't sound like uh, he believes anymore. Nope. You know, he, he's he's issuing a lot of uh, talking points. He called them little brother. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm watching him pregame speech, and he's giving. You know, it's pep talk, and, and you look at the players, and they're not even listening to him. R- Roger mm-hmm. Butler was, was playing with his fingernails. <laughs> was just looking at the ground. You know, and, and it seems like at this point they have tuned him out. This was with them with the chance to bring it back to two. 
But there's so much going on with them just in this series, period, that they have, they're going to have a problem with. One, uh, besides the body language, um, Miami, they're off the blood. They don't want to go back to Miami to play a game six because they don't want to give the Indiana Pacers a, a shot. Um, but complaining about the refs when you won the free throw battle in game one, you didn't complain about it. You know, in game two, you lost to a team that just knows how to win in tough situations. In game three, you were up 15. That I think game three is the one that did it. You were up 15, and you lost that. And then yesterday, you just got you just got manhandled. And mm-hmm. I get what Paul George is saying when you look at the stats. I like to look at the stats, too. And I looked at the stats. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Indiana shot 50%. Everything he listed – I was like, wow, they actually had a game. Statistically, they should win. But Miami just made more plays. They didn't turn the ball over at the high rate that they were in the first three games. And um, and they made the run when they needed to make the run to put it away. And and, and once that happened, that was it. And And like you said, B, you're absolutely right. You know, before the game, Paul George was calling out Stevenson, and then after the game, he called him out again. Mm-hmm. So, and I think even David West is just done with him because David West balled. David West played his yeah. ass off. David West played to win. Nobody mm-hmm. else joined the fight with him. And um, so, it, you know, it, it's an unfortunate situation, man. But I think it all starts with um, winning tomorrow. And um and you know what? I, I never count a series over until it, it's until they have four games. Um, so, anything so, can happen, and and we saw what happened um, with Phoenix and and uh, L A. But Kobe was playing with Smush Parker and Kobe Brown. Right. He wasn't playing with Bosch, you know, and or LeBron. I mean, or Wade or Ray Allen. And we all know that Bo- that LeBron by himself can win a game when he needs to. So, um, but again, you you got to win four, and they haven't okay. won four. So. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. You're giving Indy a chance. I'm. Uh, no. All I'm no. saying is that is that. No, um, no, 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 no. I asked you a direct question. Are you giving Indy a chance? Yes or no? To win tomorrow or to to, to have it? a shot in the series? Do they have a chance to win the series? This way taking way too long. I'm gonna answer for you. Hell no. Yeah. I, I I think it's it's gonna be tough for them to win seven three to beat Miami three times in a row in the playoffs. I'm like B. I don't see that happening. All I'm saying is just you gotta take it game by game. They they look the three games they were up. You know what I'm saying? They just but you know what? In game one they just had the perfect game. And they need to play perfect to beat Miami. They just can't, they man. Game. That huh? game won Miami. Miami lost game one. Indiana didn't win game one. Miami gave them game one. This right here should almost be a sweep. And, and, and you know what, Ken, going back to the point that you started your whole thing on was that, you know, people are starting to tune out Frank Vogel. 
that just didn't start in this series. That didn't start in last series. That started damn near after the All-Star break, bro, when, mm-hmm. the, when Indiana started their decline. And, and the reason why I think that you see the body language and the words that they're using, you know, during these press conferences, I think that's just a culmination of being at the highest of the high, playing your best basketball, and then falling almost flat on your face. And all of your best, all of your key components, right? Like, for, for them to beat Miami, Hibber has to be 20, 20 and 10 guys. You know what I'm saying? Or, or at least, you know, 15 and 10. He, he has to punish Miami down low. Paul George has to at least match LeBron or D-Wade night in, night out. David West has been the only guy that has been consistent since the beginning of the season. Even when they were struggling, David West has been that one consistent guy that you know you can rely on game in, game out. And, and, and we're seeing that right now. And, and realistically, Roy Hibbert is just a microcosm of the second half of their season, including the playoffs. Right. He, he just is. Sometimes, he, like, how can he be 7-2 and not get anything? Like, no rebounds, no points, no blocks, no nothing. You had no statistical impact on the game. And at times when you watch Indiana, they look discombobulated. They don't look like a team. And, 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 and Miami is their kryptonite because Miami knows they can't handle pressure. They don't have playmakers. They don't have a point guard. They don't have anything. So when they ratchet up that pressure, it's turnover city. It's turnover city. And, and the comments that Lance made, I like the, the approach LeBron took because I don't have to talk. And LeBron has always said it. You know, I, I don't come from that era or whatever. Whatever Kobe tries to talk to me, I just I shrug it off. But you see LeBron always step up. And, 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 and Bar said it too. He alluded to it. He's like, you don't want to wake up a, 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 a sleeping dog because it happened to him in Toronto. Chris Bosch's girlfriend was talking shit to, to, to the Cleveland yeah, yeah, at the that. time. You know what I'm saying? Was, Toronto was up double, double digits. It, it looked like Toronto had that game, and LeBron said, oh, no. Oh, no. And, and that's all that happened. That's all that happened, and I agree with B. Paul George should have Lance's back. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you're a team. And even if somebody says something boneheaded like that, in public, you support them. Behind the scenes, you got to be, hey, bro, look, not, not, not look. Right. We, 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 right. We're not playing against. You know, uh, um, uh, Kyrie Irving and them. Yo, this is this is LeBron James, bro. Like, like you can't if you come at him like that. Just best you better have a, a, a career game against him. That's the only way you can. That's the only way you can come at LeBron like that. If you're gonna match him, if you're not gonna match him, then shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I think I think everybody's made some great points, man. I think. I don't see any any way that they can come back. I mean, barring injury or anything like that. Um, I, and I, I tweeted it last night. I think at this point, it, it's somewhat of a victory if um, if they can force it to six. Because I think LeBron, especially, and and a, a lot I think will have to do with what happens. And now, of course, there's there's a lot of rest between um, you know the end of the series and the end of the. Uh, Excuse me, in the start of the finals because the dates are already set for the finals. But I know that if, especially if let's say OKC wins tonight, so you got two-two, and you and you're probably looking at that series probably if it if it's two-two, this series, to, you know, this the, the Western Conference Finals are probably going seven. Um, you know, that's more rest for Miami. If and I think LeBron probably takes it upon himself to say, hey, we got to close these guys out tonight. 
you know, yeah, it would be nice to close them out on our floor, but let's just go ahead and take care of business. Um, as far as Indiana, what it would take for them to, to get back in the series, I, I, at this point, I don't see anything that they could do differently. Um, the reason being is that I think, like people said, what we've seen is just a microcosm of their season post All Star Game. Um, they've been in, they've, they've been consistently inconsistent, and that's exactly what Indiana's been throughout this playoffs. They've been consistently inconsistent, and that goes from Paul George on down to Hibbert. You know, West has probably been the most consistent piece in there, but Hill, you don't know what you're going to get from him night in and night out. Um, like I said, Hibbert, um, I question, and I never question any, anybody's heart. I question his mental toughness, though, because someone pointed out on, on the radio the other day that, you know, Hibbert's tailspin really started in his playoffs when they signed Andrew Bynum. And, I'm, and it made me think, I'm like, are you that threatened by Andrew Bynum? A dude with one foot in the league, one foot out of the league, with two raggedy knees? I mean, come on, come on, are you serious? Andrew Bynum, this, the same Andrew Bynum who's been on like four different teams this, this year. And coincidentally, uh, when Bynum got cut, Tipper goes out that night and, and plays out of control. I mean, and, 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 you know, so it's, and I know teams have said, okay, well, I mean, people have said, well, you know, the, the matchup against the Hawks was different because, you know, they had these outside shooters and center shot threes and that type of thing. And, you know, he, he put up a donut against the Hawks. They, he did the same thing against the Wizards. Um, yeah, and I know, I will say this much. Yeah, Bosh stepping out last night and hitting, I think, the first eight points, that makes a difference because, yeah, he has to step out and play Bosh. But on the other hand, you know, at some point in time, man, someone needs to remind Roy Hibbert that he's seven feet tall. I mean, you can't play. There's nothing worse than a big guy playing small. And, I mean, at some point in time, and, I'm not, and, and he even made some comments about, you know, well, you know, kind of you read between the lines that they didn't get the ball to him. So here, on one hand, you got one superstar saying, well, you know, coach didn't call enough plays for me. On the other hand, you got your superstar saying, uh, you know, hey, we're not getting any calls. I mean, when you, when you start blaming the refs, you know, it, it's over. I, I really think Indiana, they're in Cancun right now. You know, they, they're probably, they're going to, I tell you what's going to be key is if they, you know, it comes out that they want to, you know, early on in the game, um, if they don't establish themselves, and let's say that they try their, their best shot and Miami is, um, and Miami takes their best shot and they don't knock them out, you know, if Miami hangs around, it, it's going to be, it, you know, it, it's going to be over. I look for Miami to close it out tonight. I mean, excuse me, tomorrow. I really don't know at this point what Indiana can do differently that is going to help them out at all. So, I could be yeah, wrong. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, it, it was something that I, I was listening to to Colin Cowherd uh, today, and he, he had a short interview with with Brian Winhurst and uh, Winhurst, and and he was saying that he was in the in the um, in the locker room with the the Indiana players, and he said they looked very resigned. They um they didn't look worried. You know, they didn't look like they were down 3-1. You know, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, you, you guys don't look upset. I think you said David West was kind of smiling, and Stevenson was, was sitting off, you know, alone by himself. And, you know, they didn't look like a team that was upset that they were losing this, this series. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and the thing about it is they, they 
you know, Miami did take their best punch. Mm-hmm. You know, um, shit, he, they Yo, took, they had a shot. They took it uh, in game three, and they came back and, and, and they won that game. So much like you said, I don't think they're concerned with Indiana at all when it comes to uh, the start of a game because they know ultimately they will finish the game. But I think Miami would definitely come out motivated. Um, they're experienced. They're back-to-back champs. They are going to come out. They're going to try to put it away. And like you said, Kyle, and I agree, if that game is tight, um, I, I, I don't know if Indiana can make the plays that they'll need to make to win that game, you know, when when it comes to crunch time. Uh, you, they're they're just all over the place. Can you know why they you know why they're not um pissed off or, you know, like like they don't feel no type of way? Because they all book they they they, they their vacation after the season. It's already booked. They already know where they're going. That's why they're happy. And and the other thing too is, is, is this. This is the reason why Indiana has no chance. And this is why Indiana's not a championship team. Every single championship team or the majority, at least the ones that we were able to see ourselves, all, all four of us, all of them are versatile teams. They can play small at times when they be. They can play big. They can play defensively. They can play strong. They, they you know offensively. They have half court and full court ability. Indiana doesn't have that. Indiana mm-hmm. is built one way to beat one team. They cannot play. Yep. They cannot beat OKC. They cannot beat. San Antonio, they can't really honestly beat any of the top five Western teams. I think Houston, I think Portland would have put it on them. Honestly, I don't <laughs> think that Indiana was built to be a championship team. Indiana was built to beat Miami. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's, that, that's my main problem with them is that they are not versatile enough in terms of a roster or maybe the coach, because I feel like they have pieces to go smaller. How come Copeland still hasn't played in this series? For Roswell Butler is getting minutes. So, so to me, I, I just think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's a, I, I think that when Bird tweaked the roster midseason, I think it shook them up. I think Frank Vogel's inability to go down that bench and pull something out of his because look, look at, look, look, all right, let's look at the two championship favorite teams. Their bench players come in and contribute, whether they're coming and playing five minutes or they have to start for the whole night and they play 40. Right. Like, Udonis has to be like, yo, we started tonight or I'm playing the bench the rest of the series. It doesn't matter. Rashard Lewis, all of these guys. I don't, I don't even want to talk about San Antonio because at times Patty Mills looks like Tony Parker should retire. So, so my problem is with Indiana – developing a full team so that way you are versatile enough when Bosch starts off hot like that, okay, all right, I see what's going on. Let's go small. Let's get this under control. And realistically, outside of game one, every other game has been played at Miami's pace. Indiana can't do anything to slow them down. And at times, to me as a coach, if I can't slow you down, if, 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 if you're playing fast and I'm playing big to slow you down and we can't slow you down, well, you know what? It's better to join you, to match you, because eventually Miami is going to have to make a lineup change. They're going to have to make a substitution. And, and, and once you get that break in the game, then that's when you go back to your big lineup and you try to take over that tempo. But I, 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 I think that it, 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 it squarely falls on, the majority of the blame falls on Frank Google, mainly because you don't have a playmaker, you don't have a point guard. So now, as a coach, you have to control that tempo. You have to make those decisions. And I don't think he's making them. And I've been critical of him throughout these playoffs. 
he has to he has to utilize his roster. Yeah, and uh, I, I think he will in, in game five because he he um, he exhibited some success uh, because he was forced to go small after um, Mahini was in trouble. Hibbert picked up, I think, his fifth foul, and then he just threw Scola in there and, and David West, and, and um, I think Copeland was in there for a minute, and they made a little bit of a run. But let's let's be real, like um, I don't even know how how they will be able to sustain to sustain that over the course of a whole game. And I granted he only needs to do it in spurts just to at least match up to hold off to withstand whatever run Miami has. But um, but I, I guess what I'm saying is that it worked in the fourth quarter, although Miami did you know pull their foot off the gas pedal. But right. it, it seemed to work, and I think you'll see more of it from Vogel. Uh, and and, um, and I think if he wants to at least give himself a shot to win, he has to at least try a smaller lineup just to give it a shot. But um, it, it's, it's going to be tough, man, because Miami, man, they, 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 they like to go ahead and put games away, and they have encountered – Every single situation you you can deem imaginable uh-huh. so far, and and they don't want to give Indiana any type of confidence at all into thinking they have a shot at winning this this series because you lose Game Five, Indiana may think they can win Game Six. They're gonna come out, they're gonna play hungry and desperate again. You know, you got to match that intensity. What if you have a bad game? Anything can happen or injury, so they don't want a chance. I think we, they're going to be focused. They're going to come out. They're going to put them away, and I think that'll that'll be it. But um, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see, man. I, again, it's in it's in Indiana, and uh, I, I'll give them a slight shot. But they haven't played well at home in the playoffs at all, so even that's a shot in the dark. No, oh, no doubt, no doubt. The phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six again six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. This is the Dead End Sports Show. I'm your host, Twelve Kyle, joined by my partners in crime, B. Ken and FIFO. Hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, next question I had uh, for you guys as far as the uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, they're playing right now, and uh, at last check, uh, it looks like at the end of the first quarter. Uh, OKC is up 26 to 20 over San Antonio. Um, obviously, the, the big news was uh, you know you know Serge Ibaka coming back. Um, he was ruled to be uh, out of the series, uh, out of, out of the playoffs, and you know miraculously <laughs> he's back uh, for Game Three. And you know OKC looked like a totally different team uh, in the in Game One and Two as opposed to game three that they won. And Ibaka was huge, uh, you know, starting the game and everything. Um, so the question I have for you guys, and I'll start with you first, B, why has Ibaka helped OKC climb back into this series? Uh, I mean, simple. He, he He's making players, the San Antonio players, rethink they shot when they get in the paint. I mean, it, it's crazy how much of a, how much of a difference that a, a, someone that's a great defensive low-post shot blocker because, you know, if you notice in game one and two, you know, Parker, Ginobili, you know, Kawhi Leonard, they was all going up in there just laying the ball up easy. But if you notice a lot, you know, Tony Parker, 
he was rethinking a lot of his shots because I know he got his layup like beat out of out of bounds a couple of times by Ibaka. And then the other three times, every time um, Tony Parker kept going to the hole, you could see that look in his eyes. He was just looking at him like, holy shit, should I try to take this shot, this floater, or should I pass it or whatever? And then, you know, Tony Parker turned over. So he dictated a lot of, you know, with them guys penetrating to the hole, and they made them rethink their shot. You know, when you have a good shot blocker like that and someone that can protect the basket, it's going to make you rethink what you're doing when you're going, you know, make you rethink when you're shooting that shot. Oh, should I go this way? Should I go that way? Oh, this. If you see a box in the corner of your eye, you're going to think pass first and then go and get aggressive and shoot the ball like it was in game one or two. And then, I mean, honestly, I, I think even though I still think, I, I was still saying it too, um, after OKC uh, won, I said to Ken, I was like, I still got Spurs and five. I, I think they really won that game off of emotion. You know, Ibaka had that. Willis Reed type of moment. You turn out, mm-hmm. you thought, you, you know, you thought you thought he was injured. You thought he was gone. The crowd go crazy. Yeah, you know, they run off the motion. You know, Kevin Durant and Westbrook go out and play play good. Ibaka, I think he shot pretty good. He had like what four blocks, like sixteen points. So I don't know if he's going to repeat that. You know, process. I still think San Antonio might get together and probably pull off and win these last two games, which would be this game and then they finish it out at home. But we'll see. You know, that's why they play the games. I still I still got Spurs winning this series though. Okay, okay, okay. What about you, Ken? Uh, why do you think Ibaka has helped OKC climb back into this series? He said, you know, uh, much like what what he said, it, you know, it, those shots at the rim, they just go away. You know, you can't run in there. And, and Barkley said it after after game three. Ibaka goes after everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and, and he's successful with it at a high rate, and and that intimidates players from going into into the paint, you know, because and and offensively he can rebound, and he he can he can shoot the mid range shot, so he's worked on his game as well, but um, but more importantly he he he, he claws up the paint and he takes away easy shots and he forces San Antonio to spend a lot more time on the perimeter, hoisting up three point shots. Um, so yeah, I, I, and you know what? He, he's part of the big three. So without him as part of their offense, um, as part of what they do, you know, it, it affects them, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a different way than than, the, than you know having him uh, off the court. You know, those points, man, and just his presence of being able to hit it, you know, makes a difference. And his talent compared to Collison and compared to a rookie. And Adams is, is is far superior. So you know him hurt is way better than you know a hundred percent healthy Collison or Steve Adams. And no disrespect to those guys, but the facts are the facts. So um, you know he, he's a shot in the arm. I, I would you know I understand the Willis Reed thing, and that was a different situation. But um, I think more more than anything, they needed him out there. And, and just to be a part of the fight. Because at the end of the day, when the results of game three were, were, were over with and they were down 0-3, it wouldn't have even mattered you know, right. if, if the series would have, would have prolonged past this round. And uh, so now get out there and play. Uh, you lose. You go down 0-3. The series is more than likely over. You get a chance to rest in the offseason. And even if they lose the series, you still get a chance to rest in the off season and, and heal up. So, um, um, so yeah, man. I, I think you know it's just him just being out there for uh, 
We're teammates, and, you know, it, it paid dividends. Definitely, definitely. What about you, FIFO? Why, why do you think uh, Ibaka has helped them, you know, get back into this series, uh, at least through one game and a quarter of, or so? It's simple, man. It's called rotation. You know, uh, defensively, he's there, Kevin Durant. What Kevin Durant does for OKC offensively is what Ibaka does defensively for them. Um, he erases mistakes. He's there. I, I think even more than, you know, blocking and, and changing shots, it's the rotation. When you watch the first two games in San Antonio, Kevin Durant was in position, but he was too late because because he plays too small. The smaller you are, the quicker you have to be on that rotation. So that way, whatever pass is coming down low or whatever, you're in a position to steal it or to deflect the pass. Kevin Durant is not a shot blocker by nature, so he, he was playing small on his rotation. You know, he was too late. Um, but but I think that's the main thing that Ibaka gives them um, defensively because offensively, come on, let, let, let's be honest. The, the duo of Kevin Durant and, and, and Russell Westbrook, I think they're probably the highest scoring duo in the NBA. They, they can beat the majority of playoff teams by themselves. But depending on what that other playoff team has offensively, they need Ibaka defensively more than offensively. Um, but, I, you know, I, like Ken said, I agree. Um, he is part of their big three offensively as well. You know, he, he's their Chris Bosh. And, um, you know, he, he, he does pretty much exactly what Chris Bosh does offensively. He, he, he hits that 18-footer. He has corner three-point range. Um, you know, he, he can face up and take you off the dribble here and there. So, you know, he, he is invaluable to them, um, especially as a championship contender. Now, can, can they be a top-five seed without Ibaka? And can they win maybe one or two rounds without him, maybe even make a Western Conference final without him? Of course. But are they going to win a championship? No, because it takes three. You need three all-stars. You know, and whoever says that you don't, you don't, you don't know basketball. Definitely, definitely. I, I think everybody touched on it, um, you know, <laughs> very eloquently. I think, uh, you know, his, his, his presence there, if for nothing else, just on the defensive end, well, first of all, there was the emotional list because, you know, they said that he wasn't going to be back. And then he was back all of a sudden. And for them to have him back was a, a, a shot in the arm emotionally for them. Um, and then he also helps on the offensive end and, as well as the defensive end. I can't remember how many block shots he had, but I know that, you know, the ability to step out and, and hit that 15-18 foot jumper, uh, that was phenomenal for them because it opened up so many things for Russ, oh, Russell Westbrook to, uh, you know, creating the lane as, as well as uh, Durant to hit his his open uh, three-point shot. Um, so Ibaka, you know, his, his presence was there. And, I mean, keep in mind, games one and two, San Antonio lived in the paint. So I think, you know, if for nothing else, like uh, like B was saying, you know, Parker had to change some of those shots. You know, that, that teardrop floater wasn't necessarily what he wanted to throw up when Ibaka was in the middle. So, um you know, I, I think it bodes well for OKC. As far as I know, you know, everything from what we've heard, I mean, obviously he's starting to get tonight. Uh, it, you know, they're saying that he's going to be fine, you know, throughout the rest of the playoffs. So I don't know if it was a misdiagnosis, which leads me to the next question. And I'll start with you first, before. Do you think Ibaka was that seriously injured? And the reason why I'm asking this question is because, I mean, we hear about it all the time in the NFL. Uh, give you, for example, the Patriots. The Patriots are notorious 
for over-exaggerating injuries. I mean, I remember one year Tom Brady was on the injury report every week before a bad shoulder. I mean, there was not, I don't know that there's necessarily anything wrong with his shoulder, but in the NFL you have to disclose your injuries. Um, was it gamesmanship on OKC's part? Was it a built-in excuse? I mean, do you – FIFA, I'll ask you again. Do you think the Ibaka was that seriously injured? Because he went from not playing the rest of the series to, you know, like – He's back. You know what I'm saying. So, what's your take on that? Um, you know, I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm not part of that organization. I'm not there. Um, maybe you know they misdiagnosed him. Maybe thought. Maybe they thought it was a little bit more serious than what it was. And you know, I, I don't know. You know, it, it looks like he's not as hurt as um, you know he, he they made it out to be. Uh, because he's coming out there, he's running, jumping, moving, you know, like nothing was wrong. I know he went to the locker room, I believe it was like late in the third quarter. But, you know, he, he came back and he was all right. So, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, it is what it is. I, I think the most important thing is, is that he's out there now. Um, I don't know what they did, you know. But, um, you know, they need him. They need him. So, he's out there. I, I, I don't know what's up with that injury. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's out there, he's playing. Definitely, definitely, definitely. What about you, Ken? Uh, what's your take on it? Was he hurt? Uh, uh, were they were they playing possum? What, what, what's the situation here? Uh, and I, I honestly have no idea. This is like one of the weirdest stories um, I've heard, man. Because here you have a guy who was out for the rest of the playoffs, and after two games, he's back. You know, like. That's kind of a shrink. So, what's your motive for putting that message out when you knew you were going to need him in the playoffs? And, and, and you know, did you really think you were going to get past San Antonio without him? And maybe hope that maybe hope to have him in the finals. Um, so it was it was really really awkward that over a span of three days he made this miraculous uh, comeback health wise to get out here. And not only play, uh, from what I've seen, barely limp. You know, he, he jumped, he blocked four shots, his jumper looked on Okay. Play. He grabbed three bounds, you know, and, and he played 30 minutes. So, it, it, this is the weirdest story I have heard um, so far in the playoffs because it makes absolutely no sense on why Presti would put that out there and, um, and why Brooks would continue to. You know, I mean, like he said, hey, look, I'm just going to go with my guy will ride out, and uh, if that's what they're saying, then that's what I'm going to say. So I get that. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I got to give props to Skip Bayless, man, because he called it since this happened. He said that come game three, Ibaka will play before this series is over with, and he, he, he get back off. And I'll be damned if Bakker just run his ass out there <laughs> came three. And, and they ended up winning. So um, maybe they need more time for for him to heal. I do think he was hurt um, the first two games because if he wasn't hurt, he would have been out there playing uh, hobbled. So I think there was an injury. I think he just had a lot of a lot of time to to, to get well. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think they were, they were fake. I think that they just, there was a lot of hyper, hyperbole in what 
Okay, okay, okay. What about you, B? Uh, <laughs> what's your take on it, man? Was Ibaka really, really hurt, or was he just uh, faking the funk? Man, I think what happened was, after looking at game one and two, them OKC uh, organization, they panicked. They were like, oh, shit, look at all these shots they're getting in the, in the paint. Uh, hell no! Hey, shoot his ass up with something. They probably, <laughs> they probably they probably shot that damn cab up and gave his ass some type of I don't know some type of adrenaline or something, and his ass went out there and played his ass off that game in Game Three. I just think I, I don't know. I don't know if it was really that serious. I don't know if they probably thought it was more serious than it was, and come to find out, oh, we can just stretch it out, do whatever, whatever. I guess the doctors figured, or the trainers were like, oh, we can just do this, do this, do that. And maybe we can have you at 80% or, you know, 85% or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the heck they were thinking when they said he was out for the playoffs. I thought he was out for the, for the rest of the playoffs because right. they knew what they were talking about. But I just really think they saw game one and two and how, you know, San Antonio just pretty much uh, ass-raped them without KY Jelly. And they was like, oh, no, uh, we got to have Mbaka back in. If you got to shoot him up with something to, to, to do whatever, shoot him up with whatever you got to shoot him up with. We need Mbaka back out there. So, and there you have it. He's back out there. He played. He, he lifted the team up, and they won game three. And I guess the doctor's like, hey, shoot his ass up back again. Because if you notice, at the end of game three, he, I mean, towards the end of game three, he started limping a lot. He was really limping a lot. So whatever they shot him up with, it must have wore down towards the end of the game. Because, you know, he came out that first half. He was like on on 20 or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, it, looked like he wasn't even, it looked like he wasn't even injured at all. But then by the time, like, the end of the third quarter came, he was like, okay. He's starting to limp a little bit in that run, so uh, whatever they shot him with, it's wearing out. So, okay. you know, I just think that, yeah, I, I noticed that. So I thought they just panicked and was like, look, we need to have him out here. He's our, like like Ralph said, he's our Kevin Durant on the defensive end. He's our most valuable player on the defensive end. So I think it was just basically just panic. And look, shoot him up with something, we need him out here. So that's what I think. You know what? That, that's the answer I was waiting on. Because <laughs> that's my answer. Oh, okay. I, I think oh, they okay. had to well, have. Great, great minds thinking like great minds. Yeah, thinking yeah, like... man. You know it all day long, man. Great minds thinking like. I, I think for them to, because I don't think you, that you misdiagnose somebody that bad. I mean, to go from, exactly. uh, and of course, like FIFO said, we're not there. We're not in the training room. So I'm not accusing them of doing anything illegal because, you know, if you, if you want to take a quarter zone shot, you can take a quarter zone shot. Um, that being said, I think he had to have had something, you know, obviously something legal put into him to help him get through this. And some guys will tell you, I mean, hey, if, if Novocaine is going to get them through or some type of painkiller, uh, shoot him up and, and, and let him go. And, and, and they'll, you know, kind of deal with the consequences and the repercussions afterwards. Um, but I don't think, I've never seen anybody get uh, that type of diagnosis where they're, between games, not it. This wasn't a situation in a game where he goes down and they say, "Okay, well, hey," because if you remember, he got hurt toward the end of the game. So for them to go to from the point of, you know, uh, that last game against the Clippers, him getting hurt and the start of the series and saying, "Okay, well, hey," you know, he just can't go, and then to get to that point, we're like, "Wait a minute," you know, something had to have happened. So, you know, and and, and that's no, that's I mean, that works for OKC. I think if, like, as I mentioned earlier, if they can win tonight, you're probably looking at a seven-game series, or at least I mean, at least we know it's going six, as opposed to, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago, it looked like they didn't have a chance in hell at, at winning this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phone number to call in, area code 
646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Tolf Kyle, once again, and this is Dead End Sports, joined by the boys. You know them from Dead End Hip Hop, Ken B and FIFO. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. Now, <laughs> I want to jump into something real quick, man. Um, you know, I was watching a telecast, uh, I think it was game, I, can't, I think it was game two, uh, and Mark Jackson, bless his heart, Mark Jackson, former coach of the uh, Golden State Warriors, now, well, he used to be a uh, NBA analyst turned form, turned uh, head coach back to NBA analyst. Now he's back with uh, ABC ESPN. Um, during, uh, I think it was game two, Jackson said, and I quote, Dwayne Wade is the third best shooting guard in NBA history. You know, Jeff Van Gundy kind of looked at him like, are you serious? And Mark Jackson was dead-ass serious. Um, so it got us to thinking, you know, we don't really know if necessarily if he was being a prisoner of the moment or what have you, but the third-best shooting guard in the history of the NBA behind, obviously, Michael Jeffrey Jordan and Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, so, Ken... I'm going to ask you, man, do you agree or disagree with that, and why? <laughs> Look at Ken. Ken. <laughs> He's just sitting there. That's the phone, man. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Ken. <laughs> uh, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. You were just sitting there just looking at the computer. All right. Let me preface my comments by saying that I am a huge Dwayne Wade fan. Um, so when the when he said what he said, I was like, you know what, he's right. <laughs> um, I was like, man, you know what? That there's an argument to be made on whether or not he could be the, the third best shooting guard in, in NBA NBA history. Um, so you know what? I, I'm, I'm gonna ride with Mark Jackson on this one, man. You know what? I, I, I think I, you, you take what he did by himself in 2006. I, I always hold that, you know, high among his accomplishments and 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 on his resume. You know he. Three-time NBA champion, won one by himself. Of course, he had Shaq and all the other guys. Um, right. So outside of the lack of three-point shooting, which he just don't take a lot, you know, um, you know, he, he got the jumper. He was athletic. You know, like the command, command was a, a, a one-man wrecking crew. You know, uh, in the NBA for years, man, he was a superstar. For years, and and um, out you know, other than the injuries that he he sustained over the last few years, um, because of the recklessness that he played with um, throughout his career, um, I, I think if he was able to stay relatively healthy and continue to put up those elite numbers, um, I, I think this I think a lot of people wouldn't look at Mark Jackson like he was great, but I think what what's happening is that we we remember the way from last year, 
Wow, Ra Ray Allen's not thrown into that to that conversation. Right. I mean, he's arguably the best shooter we've seen in the NBA, so why not put him up there as one of the best shooting guards? And, you know, for him to still play at a high level at his age, I think that's pretty impressive. I think that's, you know, he won, he won two championships. So um, mm-hmm. I would say, why not throw Ray Allen up there? Um, Iverson, I consider Iverson a two-guard. I mean, he's, he's just a two-guard in the point-guard body, but, you know, I think only Iverson's only knock is really him not winning the championship, really. I mean, if, if Iverson would have led that to 2001 Team 2 championship, I would have probably had him as number three all the time. Just off of that alone, with that we've seen he put to the finals, if they would have beat that L.A. Lakers, oh, yeah, he would have been number three all the time. But, you know, sitting back looking at this, you could probably think of Jerry West. I know I, I had arguments with my dad. My dad used to always say if they had three point line back when Jerry West was playing, he would his point total would have been way more than what it is now. But he, my dad used to say Jerry West would come in the gym shooting. I mean, come in the gym and kill everybody. So um, yeah, I mean D Wade. I, I mean I, I look back and think of all the two guards. I mean you know John Stark, no, you know like I said Reggie Miller's a good one, but no, um, Allen Houston, no, you know Clyde Drexler maybe he could be like maybe that fourth or fifth guy, but. Yeah, you think and like what Dwayne Wade did in 2006, man. He he, it was Jordan Nets what he did in 2006. So yeah, I I, I gotta say, yeah, I, I I agree. After I sit back and look at it and look at all the shooting guards for the past 30 years, or at least all the shooting guards that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, I say D Wade is the third best shooting guard of all time after Kobe and um and Kobe MJ. But you know, let's not forget Ray Allen though. I just I had to throw Ray Allen out there because right, I mean, right. What he's been doing, <laughs> What he's been doing since '96 to now is still crazy, and him, him still shooting at a great consistent level, and and his game has never really been off of athleticism. It's just he's still been conditioning real good at his age. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. So just alone, I had to throw Ray Allen in there. Well, as usual, um, no matter you know, it, it seems like this happens from week to week. There's always one oddball. Um, it's usually Ken. Who will you know go against the grain? <laughs> uh, since my brother Ken is not going to be the oddball, I will be the oddball. Um, love Dwayne Wade, love his game, love what he's about. You know, I, I like him. I, I like you know. I'm not a Heat fan, but I, I like what. And I, and much like Ken, I'd never heard of Dwayne Wade until his last year, probably the last five or six games of his college career and I remember watching him in the tournament at Marquette. He was balling. And I never forget he got a triple double, which is something you really don't see in, in college, college basketball. He got a triple double in the tournament. Um that being said, he's not the third best shooting guard in the NBA history. The third best shooting guard is a guy that uh <laughs> B just named and I'm gonna go with Allen Iverson. Now Iverson does not have the hardware that Wade has through no fault of his own. I mean, the man played with, you know, Eric Snow and, and, and you know, and Dikembe Mutombo and Aaron McKee and all of these guys. And he took some bums to the finals. I mean, some bums. That being said, I got to give, I got to give, um, I got to give it to Bubba Chuck, man, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson is probably the third best shooting guard in NBA history. Pound for pound, the, the best little big man to ever play the game. Um, the the book is still out on Dwayne, and so I'll say all of that by and 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 bookending it with this. 
the book is still out on Dwayne Wade. Obviously, Wade could you know propel this team to another championship or help propel this team to another championship, which would be his fourth. And like B said, you know when you start talking rings, I think the thing that you have to keep in mind is that uh, he did it without the big three. You know he did it before. Mm-hmm. You know when he did it. <laughs> you know, he was the guy. The the first championship he won, he was the guy. So I think that makes a difference as well. Um, but the book is still out. But right now, if I had to put it on it, I would say I would give Iverson the slight edge over Wade. Uh, but if Wade, you know, wins another ring or two and, you know, he finishes at a certain tier as far as his points are concerned and, you know, so forth and so on, we revisit this question a year or two years from now. I may say Dwayne Wade, but right now, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to be the oddball. I'm going to be Ken for tonight. I am going with <laughs> Allen Iverson. <laughs> All right. Anybody, anybody want to debate that before we jump to the next question? No, that's Hell a good yeah. one. I mean, I mean that's, oh, ahead. I, I don't think that that's a good one, uh, mainly because, you know, AI doesn't have the hardware, and D-Wayne was able to pretty much do what AI did in his early career as well. And he won a chip with an old ass shaft. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel you. Yeah, he did. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a lot of my game, like, came from AI. You know, like, AI was my guy. But um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that he was better than D-Wade. Like, not as an overall two-guard. Obviously, you know, just, it, it's not AI's fault, but he's small. He wasn't a better rebounder than, than D-Wade not um, a better one-on-one defender. Obviously, steals because AI played the passing lane. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he played defender, the best hell out of the passing lane. Yeah. Yep. Not a better one-on-one defender than D-Wade. Um, you know, I could give him better scoring, more steals, but just as an overall player, I even think D-Wade was a better overall playmaker, you know, and, and I could argue you um, how poor the roster was that D-Wade took to the finals. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that that one chip that D-Wade got with that squad, I think that that's what puts him over AI. And just I think he's an overall better basketball player. I think AI was more dynamic. I think AI changed the game more than D-Wade did. You know, um, I think AI was a, was a bigger star than D-Wade, even at his, you know, um, ultimate prime. But, um, but, but, but D-Wade is just a, a better basketball player, in my opinion. Okay, I, I can respect that. Like I said, I'm going to be Ken tonight. I'm Ken tonight. That's cool. <laughs> the phone number to call in uh, is uh, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You are locked in live to the best show, the best show on the Internet right now. You're locked in to the place where sports opinions collide, Dead End Sports. I am your host, 12 Kyle, joined by my partners. You know them from Dead End Hip Hop, Ken B and FIFO. Man, we're taking you live up until uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, 8 p.m. on the West Coast. Uh, so hit us up, 646-478-0356. Um, and we're also in the Google Hangout, too. Uh, we posted the, uh, the the link on the website as well. Excuse me, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you're in the chat room, we posted in the chat room as well. So uh, if you want to see us live, do our thing, that's what we're doing. We're working out the kinks, so bear with us. But we're also streaming live on the Google Hangout as well. Um, next question, man. 
we all uh, we, we talk top five, top ten a lot around here. You know, we're, and, it, and it, it could be in any form or fashion. It, it could be from hip hop to uh, you know football to certain positions or what have you. Um, but it got me to thinking. Um, let's do a top ten, man. Give me your top ten players in the NBA right now at any position. Okay, top ten at any position right now. Um, you know what? I since since I'm throwing it out there in case somebody don't have theirs together, I'm going to give you mine, and I'll start first. Let me grab my little paper here. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> I'll start first with number ten. Uh, number ten, I'm going with uh, Dwight Howard. Um, I think he could be better, but you know that's where I'm going with Dwight Howard. Uh, I know Ken don't like that. <laughs> number nine. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, and you know what's funny? I, I can see his face on the screen just like scrunch up. You know, he just gave it the ass face on screen. That, that's one of the benefits wow. of the Google Hangout. Um, number number nine, uh, the beard himself, uh, James Harden. Uh, number eight. Blake Griffin, number seven, and he's he, he's he's falling a little bit on this list because I had him higher a little bit earlier in the year, uh, and in fact he was mentioned in my MVP talk, and he's making me look like a fool right about now. Uh, number seven is Paul George. Uh, <laughs> number six, uh, Stephen Curry. Number five. Got to take it to the Twin Cities, Kevin Love. Number four, Carmelo Anthony. Number three, not Cliff Paul, but his brother Chris. Number two, the man who shares my initials, Kevin Durant, KD. And number one, LeBron Tremont James. So there you have it. My top ten right now, any position now. I'll throw a little caveat in here. Obviously, I did not include uh, Derrick Rose and uh, Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, that's because they're injured. We're talking right now. Uh, when they, when those two become healthy, I'm pretty sure they'll be in the top ten. But just to, to reiterate, number ten, Howard, Harden, Blake Griffin, uh, Paul George, Stephen Curry, Kevin Love, Carmelo at four. CP3 at 3, Kevin Durant, and number one, LeBron James. Um, Ken, I see you writing something down. Okay, uh, cool. Oh, you, you need a little time? Yeah, yeah. Kyle. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, people. This is what I need you to do for me. I need you to explain 10 and 9. I agree with 8 eight to 1. Not necessarily in all of their orders, but okay. I'm, I'm cool with those players. But James Harden plays no defense, zero, and he shrinks up in the biggest moments. And Dwight Howard is too much of a crybaby in offense. Look, I'll put it to you like this. If you could combine James Harden offensively and Dwight Howard defensively and make one player, I'd give you that. But mm-hmm. separate, I can't put them on the top ten, man. You have to explain that. Okay, and, and <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. And anybody that knows me or follows me on Twitter or anything, know that I'm very critical of and have been very critical of Dwight Howard, not just 
his time in Houston, but his time in L.A., uh, his time at, <laughs> as I see B over there doing jumping jacks, um, his time at, uh, in L.A. as well as Orlando. Um, I try to remove the emotion. Now, people, you know what, to be honest, I don't disagree with you on a personality standpoint as far as what both of those guys do or don't do um, at all. Here's the thing. I try to remove the, the emotional aspect, but pure player, yeah. How I mean, uh, uh, Harden doesn't play any defense, but, I mean, we've seen him light it up. Now, do I think Harden would be doing the same thing had he stayed in OKC? I mean, it remains to be seen. I just All I know is that, you know, that playoff, he disappeared in the finals. Um, and it ultimately could have cost Kevin Durant a ring. Um, as far as Howard, when motivated, when pushed, he could be, you know, one of the most dominant figures in the game. But, you know, when is he motivated? When is he pushed? I know that he was motivated and pushed in L.A. because Kobe Bryant pushed him. But ultimately, Dwight Howard doesn't want to be pushed. He wants to go at his own pace. He wants to do certain things. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I agree with you totally as far as your breakdown of, of their personalities and their idiosyncrasies. But I try to remove the emotions out of it and just go strictly off of who I deem my top ten. I feel you. And and, and I didn't put no emotion into it. I'm looking at it straight from attributes, from, you know, what you add to the team and how much better can you make it. Now, James Harden, I can feel you to a certain degree because James Harden last year to the Rockets just by himself made him a top five Western Conference team. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like for, for a big part of the season, they were up there. Then, you know, they fell down. And I think last year before Dwight, they, they finished, what, six or seventh or something like that? Because they played OKC in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. no, they played, they played them in the – yeah, they played them in the first round. So, they were either seventh or eighth. Um, now, Dwight, you know, I, I don't know. I'll tell you. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to break it down. No, wait a minute. Good job explaining. Wait, 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 hold on, man. Dwight. Our, and, and, I feel and you, Ken. The only reason I'm giving you a hard time is the balance. <laughs> you said that Kobe Got it. Got to be on point. Let's let, let's hear what you got. Got to be on point. 
right, so number 10, I have Kevin Love. And the only reason why he's that low is because he hasn't made the playoffs. But when you look at his numbers, everything he adds, like, he, he averaged 26 points, 10-plus uh, rebounds, and almost five assists. That is crazy. For a and, led, and, led, and led the league in double-doubles. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's crazy. So he, he's number 10. Um, number nine is Paul George, uh, mainly because he, he he's a great two-way player. I think that this was his first year ascending, you know, scratching the level of superstardom. And I think that playing at that level throughout the year, that's hard. I think he'll do it next year because he scratched the surface this year. Um, and that's the only reason why I have him so low. If we would have did this mid-year, he probably would have been top four, top five. But because he struggled down the stretch, I had to put him at number nine. Number eight is somebody that definitely jumped up, and I wouldn't have put him there um, maybe even earlier in, in, in the season, maybe just because I don't like him that much. I, I don't love him, and I definitely think Kevin Love is better than him. But I have to put LaMarcus Aldridge because of the way he carried uh, Portland, you know, through a lot. Um, and and I, I realistically, yeah, as much as I like Damian Lillard, LaMarcus, at this at this point in his career, he's a better player than Damian. Damian still has some time. Uh, number seven, I have Carmelo Anthony, mainly because he didn't make the playoffs. If not, you know, I think he's a top four or five player in the league. Um, number six, I agree 100% with Kyle, Steph Curry. Um, you know, like this guy, you know, barely six foot anything, can't bench press probably 120 pounds, <laughs> is not quicker than, you know, John Wall, D. Rose, Russell Westbrook, man, you cannot guard this boy right here, man, that's a bad boy. Um, number five, I have CP3, um, you know, when it comes to floor generals, you know, in, in the history of the NBA, he, he, I think he's top five there, too. You know, not just in today's NBA, but if we're going to just look at point guard, I think he's a top five point guard all time. Uh, number four, I know a lot of people, um, I love this guy. You know, I, I love this guy. I always say, if I was an NBA head coach, this is the guy I want on my team. This, this, this is who I want, and that's Russell Westbrook. Um, okay. I think averaging uh, 26, 8, and 8 in the playoffs, that's astounding. I think there's only like a couple, I, nobody's ever averaged that throughout the playoffs. Um, you know, those are LeBron-like numbers. You know, Damn. of course, he, you know, of course he takes bad shots. You know, of course, you know, he's going to get you the turnovers and stuff like that. But the intangible, the athleticism, the things that you cannot coach, I think he has more of that than almost any other player in the NBA. So, uh, Russell Westbrook, number four for me. Number three is Blake Griffin. Uh, Blake Griffin, look. Oh, Blake's pretty high. Yeah, no, no. look, from the beginning of the year, anybody that knows me, anybody I've been talking sports to, since i seen Blake Griffin in preseason, I said he's ready. He was ready to make that jump, and he just proved it. He proved it this year. You can't name me another power forward that has his combination of athleticism, vision, handles, shooting ability now, and he's just scratching the surface on that. He's going to be better next year. Um, you don't like, and, and just look at the increase in free throw percentage. I think he's plus five or seven percent in free throw percentage. Look at his jump shot; it's consistent now. Maybe not as consistent as it needs to be, but it's consistent enough that you have to plan out there. His decision making has gotten better. And think about it: he finished his team finished in the top three in the West without their quote unquote best player. You know, some some of my RBCP is the best players, and CP3. 
he was out and Blake Griffin carried that mode and then some. So he, to me, I, I think in the top three, and everybody knows, everybody's top three should be the same, LeBron, KD, so I'm not even going to go into right. that. But, you know, LeBron's on a whole other stratosphere. KD's on his own planet. And I think Blake is starting to get to his own planet as well because I don't think that there is another player that embodies all of the all of the attributes he does, man. He he's really like a powered forward version of LeBron. You know, like he doesn't have the same amount of handles, but he has handles. He doesn't have the same vision, but he got vision. Doesn't have the same range, but he's shooting more consistently now. And realistically, they shoot the same at the free throw line. You know, rebounding, Blake is up there. Blake is a better rebounder than LeBron. So so Blake is definitely up there. KD the MVP. You know, love you, KD. But um, yeah, man, LeBron is that guy, man. Okay, okay. And, and you know what, man? I, I got to give you props because, and I, I put it in the chat room, I don't know how the hell I left Russell Westbrook off my list. I, I, I must have been like half sleep. So um, I probably, let's, 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 put, <laughs> let's put Russell Westbrook on my list and let's scratch Dwight Howard off. <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw it to you, B, man. What, what, give me your top ten, man. Any position. Oh man, I had to. I I, just, I was just naming ten players. I didn't really have them like ranked like you guys. Um, okay, but but um, I guess like number number ten, I'm gonna go with uh, Anthony Davis at number ten. I, I think piece. he had. I think yeah. I think for him being 21 years old and leading the NBA in blocks, you know, you know, I love defense though. So you know, right. him being 21 years old, leading the league with I think almost three blocks per game, and you know, in this sophomore season, I think is remarkable, and his offense is getting better. That's another guy. I know people talk about Blake Griffin. Dude, guy handles. I think I think we're slowly starting to see this offensive game that Calipari was so praised upon when he had recruited. Uh, so, and he's getting he's getting better. He's starting to pick up more more meat. You know, getting hit in the weight room. He, he shoot. I think for him to be a big fella, he shot like eighty percent from the free throw line, which is like good for power forward. And you, and you are, so that means that's room for improvement. So, number ten, I'm gonna go with Anthony Davis. Um, number nine, I'm gonna go with. Um, Ah, I know people like this dude. I, I I had to put him up there just because how how much he's improving from year to year. And Damian Lillard, I got him at number nine. Um, okay, I like yeah, I like it. I like I like his game. I, I've been I've been praising him since he was in college. I've been telling folks like, Yo, man, Damian Lillard. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. I was like, Man, Damian Lillard, he, he's he's gonna make that transition to the NBA real good. He's he's proving me right. I'm look I'm looking like a smart man right now, Damian Lillard. So I got to put him at number nine. Um, number eight, I'm gonna go with. Whoa, what the hell was that noise? Um, number eight, number eight, I'm gonna go with. Paul, number eight, I'm gonna go with Paul George. Um, yeah, I just think. Hey, people keep saying, "Oh yeah, he's gonna, he's a superstar, he's a superstar right now." I'm like, no, not, not yet. He's not there yet. He has the tangibles. He has everything to be that next big superstar. You know, besides LeBron and KD and stuff, but he's not there yet. though. he, he he's getting there. He still, he still got to this playoffs that we're looking at right now, it's like he's getting his heart torn out. It's like, dude, if you're a superstar, don't let them tear your heart out. David West shouldn't be the only guy in their ball, and you should be trying to carry your team and win, and I'm not seeing that in Paul George right now. I I haven't saw that ever since after the All-Star break of this season. It seemed like he's just, he's just been declining, declining this, this year. So, ah, I don't know about that one. That's, that's, okay. that's my number eight. That's my number eight guy. Number, um, number seven, I got uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, hell of a damn athlete. Uh, one of the best 
athletic point shooting guards, point guards, whatever you, a hybrid guard you can have, you can name him as the Westbrook. He's a beast, man. He's only, my only gripe about Westbrook, he just his IQ, man. He, he just, he just takes dumb shots all the time. Yeah. I mean, he just make a, he makes a lot of careless, unnecessary mistakes, like big time. I don't know what the hell is wrong with him. So you know, that's why I got him at number seven. Um, at number six, I got Stephen Curry. Um, yeah, one of the I'm pretty much the best shooters right now, up and coming. I mean, no shots to Ray Allen. Ray Allen, you the god. But Stephen Curry, man, that that, that dude, the way he shoots, he shoots it so effortless, like just like it's nothing, man. I'm like, man, I wish I could, I wish I can like just make it look so effortlessly when I shoot my J's, man. He just he he does it with just with so much poise and and you know. A lot of people, I always tell people, man, don't see him on his passing ability. Dude, Stephen Curry can always pass. I think people were so used to seeing him score 50 points at Davidson, they forget that he got handles and he can, he's a good passer. He got good court fishing. And, and then I'm glad they people are starting to notice him for that, too, as well. So, Stephen Curry, um, number six. Number five, I got uh, Kevin Love. I mean, I think, okay. I think I think you said it. I think I would have probably had Kevin Love higher if he was to show what he's worth in the playoffs. I mean, right. The man, the man put off the first 30, 30 points and thirty rebounds since Moses Malone. That gotta go for something. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Rebound is all about all about desire, man. And for him to be so non-athletic and 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 to still be outworking the power forwards like Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and, and stuff like that, and still get more rebounds and all that stuff in him, that, that's crazy, man. So Kevin Love at number five. Um, who am I forgetting? Number four. Um, Golly, I'm forgetting somebody. Shit. But number four, I guess I'd go with uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. I, I just Lamarcus Aldridge, he reminds me of Rasheed Wallace. And I think Rasheed mm-hmm. Wallace could have been like the best power forward probably ever, skill set wise, if he if he didn't have the 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 work ethic. I don't think Rasheed Wallace had like the really true work ethic to put in time and, and, and to get his game right and, and ball out. So, you know, I got to put Lamarcus Aldridge in there because he reminds me so much of Rasheed Wallace. You know, he, he he's not really super athletic, but he got all the great tangibles for a good power for. He plays he plays great defense, um, great good post game. He got he got a he got a good little you know eight to like twelve foot around the basket. He's deadly around there. Good offensive rebounder as well. I think people don't appreciate him for the good offensive rebounder that he that he is, and he's a good free throw shooter. And and he has a sweet spot. You know, just like Tim Duncan, he has his sweet spots around the basket that he know he has to go to in this. He got go-to moves. So, you know, Marcus Aldridge is, what, number four. Um, number three, CP3. Um, that's, to me, he's been, to, in my eyes, he's been the best point guard in the league for the last five years. I mean, he, he to me, he's the epitome of what a point guard is. He's someone that's a floor general, that, that, that he's the second coach on the floor. And a lot of point guards in this league, I don't see doing that. Probably with the exception of Tony Parker and Rondo when he was healthy. Um, but the CP3 is that floor general man. He's he he can do it all. He can pretty much do it all. He can, he's, he's a good jump sh- jump shot. You know the, you know he's a good free throw shooter. He's a, he's a good on ball defender. But you saw what he done with with Kevin Durant, a six you know six ten six eleven right. Kevin Durant locked him up those few times in the game. CP3 plays some defense. So CP3, I gotta put him at number three. Number two, uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was almost my number one. Cause this just off this base off this season alone, Kevin Durant was just those games against LeBron that he just like made LeBron LeBron could not guard him. I was oh, like, you no, know, huh? 
Only one, the one in Miami, because in OKC, LeBron. I don't, I don't, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, not, I'm just saying, he almost. I didn't say he was number one. <laughs> just the way, just the way Kevin Durant, just the way Kevin Durant's game, he just looks so unguardable, man. Like for him to be that tall, and you know, he's his handles gotten better. He's gotten a little bit quicker now, lateral, lateral movement quicker. And you know, Durant is he, he's becoming more and more of a monster every time. He keeps saying he's tired of being the second best, and, and this mm-hmm. season. He's trying to prove that. So, you know, to Durant, number two, and, of course, LeBron, freak of nature, uh, number one. Uh, he's he's on a mission again. He's trying to get that three-piece, first team of three-piece since the uh, L.A. Lakers, um, 2000-2002 Lakers. And, and LeBron James is just playing at a whole nother level. We, he proved us last year when everybody was saying, oh, he don't got no jump shot. He can't win with no jump shot. He proved it in game seven against San Antonio last year. He, he hit clutch jump shot. When needed, and and for all the naysayers that say, oh LeBron James, he can't hit clutch jump shots, he he don't got no jump shot. He shut up all the naysayers last year with that against a good defensive San Antonio team that was daring him to shoot jump shots, and he beat them by shooting jump shots. So and then if he it looked like it looked like they might repeat this year. So LeBron James hands down number one guy. B, there's only one thing that I slightly disagree with you on. And and, and, and and the reason why I have to say slightly is because this player was on my list too, and I had to take him off for this only reason. Anthony Davis is too young. He makes the top ten list next year. Okay. I, uh, I think, you know, with the team that have blocks, um, you see the handling, you see the shooting. Like he's, he's, making he's, make, he's making a huge leap. He's making a huge leap. He made a huge leap from year one to year two. I don't Year one, he was too small. Like like uh, the game he got hurt with against San Antonio against Tim Duncan. I remember watching that and just looking at him. I'm like, he's too. He has everything you want out of a big man. He's just not he's physically ready. This he's year, he was more physically ready, and he and he's not as big as he's gonna get. He, he's I, I, not I, I, where he's gonna be. But I just think that it's next year that he makes that top ten for me. I, I tell you this though, he's making. At, at, as young as he is, he's making better leaps at this young age than Blake Griffin did when he first came to the league. But Blake Griffin, when he was first drafted, I forgot the year he was first he, drafted. Remember, he, he had, was hurt. He, got hurt. he, he got hurt. On the sim. Right. All right. And, from the top. And that next year when he played. What? Go ahead. Go on. I was about to say this. I was about to say the next year he played, which was considered his rookie year. Going on to the year after that, I think Anthony Davis made a better improvement from his rookie year last year to now, as far as offensively and defense and defensive. I give you that, but Blake had a better rookie year. You know, I, I give Anthony Davis have, having a better second year, but Blake yeah. had a twenty-two and an eleven his rookie year. You know what I'm saying? And then I think something happened his second year, and then after that second year, he got hurt again. Remember, in the summer yeah. of the Olympics, yeah. he got hurt. Yeah. He got so hurt realistically, again. in his first three years, he only had one NBA offseason where he could really improve on his game. You know, and realistically, that's the same thing Anthony Davis had right now. One real offseason to improve on his game. So, I give you that. Yeah. I, I, I think yeah, Anthony Davis is top 15, top 20 right now. But I think yeah. that's sure he's hands down, hands down, top 10. Hands down. Another person. Uh, oh, go ahead. You put it in like what? I, I think that if Drew Holiday can stay healthy and they tweak that roster just a little bit, they make the playoffs next year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And another one. I got to say an honorable mention. I mean, of course, honorable mention is Blake Griffin, too, because I, I didn't have him in my top ten. Um, another honorable mention, there's another guy I think he just got to get his hair right is DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus yeah. Cousins. Yeah. Easily, and, and, and I think DeMarcus Cousins can easily be in all of our top tens. 
if he just get his you, mind right, man. And, you and, and, you and know who the Marcus is? You know who the Marcus is? The Marcus is Rasheed Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, what that's, yep. that's what he is. Exactly. That, 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 that's what he is, man. It's like Rasheed Wallace. He could have been. I don't. I don't think he will either. I don't know. I think he is what he is. He, he is who he is. The Marcus cousin. He is who he is. But because he would have made those jumps already. He, right, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, like he would have made right. some jumps, and you don't see that he's pretty much had the same game. It's not okay, like you yeah. know what, he become a better passer. Right. Right. Player. You're the same that player that you came in year one. Yep, he could easily be everybody's top ten. Easily. But go ahead, Ken. My bad. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ken. We're gonna we're gonna jump into you, man. Give give us your top ten NBA players, any position. You know what? Um, I, I like Demarcus Cousins a lot. Um, I, I think uh, outside of, of of his mental um, lapses that he has of the season, um, I, I think his game is there. I think the numbers are there to support it. A lot of young talent. But DeMarcus isn't even better than Anthony Davis right now. Uh, I gotta watch if he can get his head I, right. I, I like what are we talking about, though? I mean, if we look, are we looking at numbers or just like we, the overall game? Because the overall have, game, just pound for pound, better or worse. Davis is better. Yeah, Davis. Davis. Davis is better. Davis is better. He's better. Davis year two. Demarcus is what year four. Yep. All right. The same year as John Wall. Whatever John Wall is in. Yeah, I think that's year four. But anyway, I I, I don't know, man. I think because Davis proved into who, what he is now, and he started out as a point guard, like you pointed out, I think it helped him develop that overall game that Demarcus Cousins. Don't have because he's more of a, a, a pounder. He's more of a guy that's going to play in the post than Anthony Davis will, and he has a bigger physique. So, but numbers wise, I, I think they'll they'll be complementary to each other. Um, but anyway, time for my list. And you know what? <laughs> Number ten for me is Dwayne Wade. <laughs> <laughs> It is the top ten player in the league, hands down, no contest. Um, this year, though, Ken. Huh? This year, Ken. This year, D Wade. He, he let, let, let him finish <laughs> before we do. Let him finish. Let him finish. Let him finish. Let him finish. Uh, <sighs> Man, look, look at what he's doing. This. Look, statistically, he had his, his best year shooting the ball. Um, we've seen. What he would have been able to do with a full season outside of this 28 game in the playoffs. So, uh, so yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, wait, wait. Uh, number nine, Damian Lillard. Uh, okay. That, that, he proved a lot to me this year. Uh, getting Portland off to a hot start. Um, you know, getting a lot of clutch shots. Um, putting up numbers. You know, scoring, assists, like 
down against uh, against San Antonio. San Antonio, yeah. And, uh, and he got exposed. But um, I still like him a lot, and I think that shot he hit against Houston to put them away, cemented uh, him as a top player uh, for me in, in the uh, number eight. Uh, yeah, you got to go with, with Stephen Curry uh, for me. I, I'll put him there. Um, as a number eight player, I mean, the guy clutch, you know, like he say, he can assist, he can rebound, he can score with the best of them. I mean, the, the guy can, can do it all. He, he can even get steals, uh, for, for crying out loud. So uh, I'll go with Steph Curry for, for my number eight. Uh, number seven is uh, Chris Paul, man. I don't think there needs to be anything else said that hasn't been said right now um, from me that you guys haven't already said. So So I'll leave that there. Uh, number six, man, I'm not going to penalize Kevin Love for not making the playoffs, people. Um, the guy put up numbers. He just hasn't had a lot of, lot of talent around Love. But, you know, the, the, the numbers that he put up, the gaudy numbers that he put on, on an absolutely uh, horrendous Minnesota team uh, deserves a lot of respect. And, and I think it's hard to find many players that can put up the numbers like like he has in Minnesota in the league right now. Um, number five, uh, Blake Griffin. I, I want to put Blake Griffin higher, but, um, you know, he, he made a, a tremendous leap this year with this game, improving the jump shot. Uh, I think his free throw percentage went up. You know, he continued to do what he does, does best, rebound, score in the polls. I think his handles got a lot better. So his overall game has improved. Uh, from from year to year, so uh, he's really impressed me with just how he's improved as overall player this year. I wanted to put him higher, but I'm I'm going to give these guys uh, that in my top four. You already know the so I'm not going to even go there. But but number four, man, as, as uh, Carmelo, has, um, I know I give Melo a hard time. Um, That's who I forgot. God damn it! I, I the man. If he had better talent around him, I think we would be looking at, at him as a as an NBA uh, championship contender, man. Um, Damn it. You know. Uh, <laughs> best, I forgot uh, him. I can't score. believe I forgot Melo. <laughs> uh, he can score on the perimeter, you know, in the polls. You know, he's physical enough to, to play defense with LeBron. He can go toe-to-toe with LeBron scoring. Um, he don't quite make his teammates better, but we've seen it in first where he can, he can win games, he can put up 52 or 61 of the cards. Like, Melo is the truth. He, you know, and he, he did it in Cleveland, Denver. Uh, he did it in New York. This is the first time not making the playoffs um, in the last, what, nine years or so since he's been in the league. The, the man is the truth. He, 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 he just uh, he just felt that he to the team. Um, as much crap as I give him, I, I gotta go with Westbrook as, as, as number three, um, just off sheer talent and athleticism that he possesses. He's improved his three-point shot, he rebounds, he assists. You know, he, he makes steals. He has the intangibles. Uh, it, you know, it, he, the man is is a, a he's one of the most polarizing players in the NBA because you look at him. And you be like, man, you can, you can be so great if you just had this together. 
But outside you, of that, who um, are you talking about? Based on what Westbrook. they do, Westbrook. Okay. I, I got to give him the, the, the third spot, man. And of course, you know, KD naturally will uh will will, will go with with uh, second place. Um, I couldn't put him first, even in spite of the year he's had, because you know Westbrook coming back has slightly affected him a little bit as far as the numbers. He's had a shaky postseason. Um, he's had some shaky games, and uh, and LeBron, LeBron has been been consistent, and he keeps raising his game with each round. And um, it's gotten to the point where LeBron don't care what you think about him. You know, if he makes a great play, he, he's gonna let you know about it. If his team makes makes a great play, he's gonna let you know about it because you know what, it ain't a damn thing you can do to stop it. And um, and if you don't like it, LeBron is saying, well, do something about it. But most teams, they can't do anything about it. And he, he you know, okay, he got him once, but LeBron got him back. You know, and, um, and you know, so he, he worked everybody, man. Um, not many players in the league can, can guard LeBron one-on-one. Um, so, yeah, man, that, that's my 10. That's my 10, man. Okay, okay, okay. Let's read back a couple of comments, man. Um, let's see. Let's jump here to the chat room. My man, uh, Jay Nags on the chat room. He said, number one, LeBron. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number three, CP3. Number four, Carmelo. Number five, Blake Griffin. Six, Russell Westbrook. Uh, number seven, Kevin Love. Uh, number eight, Steph Curry. Nine, um, nine, he went Joe Kim Noah. And number ten, Harden. So it's a pretty good list. Um, that that what no 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 he had a good list I'm not that's not for me to debate whether or not he had a good list or not. Um, Joe Kim was taking in triple doubles, bro, at center. I mean, you know what? But I think just looking at some of the ones, some of the, I mean, we we all pretty much had the same thing. I think there was a couple of people. Um, let me see. I just saw one on Twitter where somebody that we had left off. Um, my man Friendly Fire Forty One on Twitter. He he had uh, he had Wade in his top ten. He had uh, Durant, LeBron, Westbrook, uh, Howard. He had Howard in the top. Damn, he had a Howard at four. Uh, Chris Paul, Kevin Love, Parker, Wade, Harden, and Melo. Um, you know, I, and I've talked about it before. Melo Melo seems to be pretty low on everybody's list, but mine. Um, Oh, my man, uh, my man Tyler, uh, my man Trizzle, excuse me, not Trizzle, Trizzle the creator on Twitter, he had Kyrie Irving. Uh, nobody else had Kyrie on their list. I um, did, but I, 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 yeah, I, I, had to, I had to take him off. Okay. He, he, he hasn't had a good year. Like, great player. I think that in talent alone, he's top five, top ten. But, you like, like we're talking about this year, 2013, 14. And Kyrie didn't have the type of year that he should have because the type of year he needed to have was to propel the Cavs to the playoffs, even if it was at the AC. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kyrie is that much of a transcendent talent that he, he should be able to get them. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, he did. And that's yeah. the reason why, like, I had to put Kevin Love at number 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kyrie is like, this year I would have to say top 15, top 20. Yeah, I could I put it to you like this. Damian Lillard is higher on the list than Kyrie Irving this year. Okay. And you and you know what we're gonna have to do too, and I was thinking about it as as Kim was giving his. Um I think definitely as we go into obviously, you know, the season's gonna end here pretty soon. Um, going into next season we'll do like a preseason 
you know, and then we'll do a mid, you know, kind of like how you guys do on, for the for the Dead and Hip Hop album reviews, you know, like a mid year uh, uh, reevaluation, maybe at the All Star break or at the mid year point, and then at the end of the season as well, because as you can see, that some of the, some of these people are going to change. Um, read back a couple of my, my man. Uh, shout out my man Mo. Mo. Now Mo has LeBron. He has Carmelo at two. I don't think anybody's putting Carmelo that high. And Mo's my man, thirty grand. But Mo, come on, man, come on, son. Come on. But you know what, Mo Kyle? I wouldn't put him at two. But in all I had him at four feet, so I mean, you know, I feel you. I feel you, and, and, and you could definitely justify that. And, and, and here's the thing: I, I could almost justify coming last two because just looking at my top ten list. I think mentality-wise, Russell Westbrook is probably the only other guy that probably plays harder every possession than Carmelo Anthony this year. Because um, I'm not a big Knicks fan. I'm a Carmelo fan, and I watch right. some, a lot of the Knicks games this year. And I can tell you this. Every single game that I watch, and I watch close to half of the season of the Knicks, he didn't take a game off, man. Mm-hmm. He did not take a game off this year. I think that, you know, the way New York started he took a lot of that onus on himself, and he was like, yo, I'm going to come out here, and I'm going to ball every game. I'm going to give it all my all because we've got to make these playoffs. And, and and you saw that night in, night out. So that's the only reason why I can make a, a, a case for him at number two. But, you know, because they didn't make the playoffs, I can't put him that high, personally. And, and just to jump in real quick, whereas, um, you know, I definitely like Kevin Durant based on this year. Melo had a great year, too. So he did. But Melo, to me, if they made the playoffs, would have been an extremely dangerous. The Knicks, if they made the playoffs, would have been an extremely dangerous team because of Melo. Because Melo is just that good. Um, so yeah, I, I can't. I can see an argument made for Melo at number two. I, I can see that. And, and, and you know what, Ken? Um, and, well, when you were just probably Melo, you were saying you know he's a guy that doesn't necessarily make his teammates better. But in all fairness, to, to, to Carmelo this year, there were a lot of times that he did trust his teammates and they let him down. Primarily in the two games that, that, that come off the top of my head was the one at Milwaukee and then the one at Houston. Late, late, late game situations, especially the one at Houston jumps out because basically I, I think they had the ball with 30-some seconds left. You know, um, shot clock was running down. They took a shot. Tyson Chandler tapped it back, and they had another possession. They could have. The game was tied. They could have had the last shot of the game. Tyson tapped it out. J.R. Smith takes a shot, and it's just like what? Houston gets the ball. They foul them the next possession, and they win the game off the free throw. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and similar, you know, that happened in um in, in, in Milwaukee as well. So, so you know, I, I understand Carmelo's not the type of guy that, you know, automatically increases the, the productivity of his teammates. But at the end of the day, that's not every superstar's job to do. Carmelo's job is to put the ball in the bucket. You need to go give me a point guard to get everybody else involved. Because right. when you get the rock to me, if it's not a, a rotation where I know if I make this extra pass, he's going to have a wide open shot, when it comes to me, I'm putting it in the, in, in the hole. You know, that's what you're paying for. So, you know, that whole, he doesn't make teammates, but I think that's a slightly overrated thing against Carmelo. Okay, okay. Phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 
347-803-56. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle, joined by my boys. You know them from Dead End Hip Hop, FIFO, B, and Ken. Uh, pass the word. Pass the word, man. We have a good time around here. Tell a friend to tell a friend that the boys are back on the air again. We do this each and every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 11 p.m. Uh, a couple of ways you can participate in tonight's discussion. Hit us up on the phone lines, 646-478-0356. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Dead End Sports. You can also hit us up on Facebook as well. Uh, if you uh, have an Android or iPhone, you can always check us out on Stitcher as well. Just go to the Stitcher application and download the application as well. Uh, let's jump to the phone lines. we got a call. He's been waiting for a minute. Let's not keep him holding uh, too much longer. Uh, jump to 804, my man QQ. What's going on, man? What up, Q? You, you awake, man? Yeah, man. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so what we doing... Um, Basically, I'm watching the game right now, and it's just so yeah, yeah. And the Spurs, not to cut you off, quick cue, but the Spurs are getting blowed out. So yeah, oh, man, man, it's two series, man. So disgusting right now with the Spurs, but anyway, <laughs> not the point. Um, I got two questions for y'all. Um, we don't really talk about this former top five player anymore because you know he's been injured and whatnot. But uh, Kobe, like, do you think Kobe? could have another at least decent year next year if he can come back healthy. You know, they got a top ten pick. You know, you, you get yourself a Julius Randle. You know, it could be the future of the uh, of the franchise. You go, you pair him with, you know, maybe a Kevin Love, see what happens there. If you get Kobe the right players, you think Kobe could take his team to a situation like a Western Conference Finals or at least a second round, you know what I'm saying? Um, nope. honestly, no, because the the injury that he suffered, I think he can bounce back from it. But I think the Kobe that we saw, uh, you know, two, three years ago, I don't think we're going to see that Kobe again. Now, do I think Kobe can go out and get you 25 a night? Yeah, he probably, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt that he could get those points. But as far as being able to carry that team, um, Kobe really wasn't doing that a lot that much when he was healthy. You know, before he got injured. So, and it just, like you said, Q, it, I guess it's really going to depend on the pieces that they surround him with. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. If, I mean, hell, they don't even have a coach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and <laughs> and you still don't know, you know, what they're going to do with Gasol. And I, yeah. I, I, I think at this point, him averaging 25 and getting to the playoffs, I think, is an accomplishment. Especially in the Western Conference. Now, if he was in the East, I mean, hell, he he could at least get him to the second round. But um, you know, all, all things considered, just to answer your question, I, I don't think um, I don't think that's realistic. But here again, I would not want to doubt Kobe Bryant. I'm not going to doubt Kobe Bryant, but I, I think he'll he'll probably come back and average you know anywhere between 21, 24 points a game. Uh, but as far as that team, how far he can carry that team, I don't think it's going to be that far because he really didn't have a lot to work with. Unless they, you know, make a move and get a superstar or something like that to play alongside him. See, you, you, you know what I think the problem is? I, I don't think the problem is getting another guy. I think the problem is getting the right guy because, true. you know, uh, um, Byron Scott said it. You know, he said, hey, you know, Kobe wants to move forward. He's going to have to change his game, especially if he's the coach. And I think that it's not about just getting another quality player. It's about getting the quality player first and foremost 
that can play with Kobe and be and be a number one guy because I don't think Kobe in an eighty two game season can be the number one guy eighty two games. He, he just can't do that. I think Kobe's a number one guy for thirty to forty some games in a season. So you need another guy that that doesn't mind being the the guy you know for most of the night. The other thing too is is a guy that is old enough that he doesn't make rookie mistakes and young enough to be the future of the franchise. I you know I e Kevin Love, but mm-hmm. um, but but at the end of the day, what else if you get one other guy via trade or whatever? Like that's not that's in the West. That's not enough because right. let's, let's be honest. Let's look at all of the Western Conference teams. They all have a perimeter guy. Every single one of them, every single one of them have a perimeter player that will shit all over Kobe today. He, Kobe can't guard James Harden the same way anymore. You know what I'm saying? And not saying that, you know, Kobe is like, oh, he's a bum now. Hell no, he's Kobe Bryant. But James Harden will drop 30 on Kobe today. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, it, it's interesting, man. I, I just, I don't I don't think the ladies are making the playoffs for five years. You know what, to uh, to add on to what, what people are saying, um, when I look at the situation that Kobe Bryant is in, um, I, I, I agree with, with Colin Fifo, mainly because that organization is in shambles. Um, that they, they put together some hodgepodge team this year. Um, they don't have a the last coach. four years. You know, there's some, there, there's some uh, sort of leadership issues going on. Uh, between Jenny and 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 her brother, um, who's running the team, and um, and they don't even want to uh, to to have Kobe as part of the coaching selection process. So um, I don't think that. Look, while I love and respect and admire Kobe for all he's done and all he's accomplished. Uh, by the way, I, I I despise you, Kobe fans. Y'all get on my damn nerves, but. Um, but I love Kobe Bryant, the player. You fans, just, y'all just irritate the shit out of me. Kobe can do no wrong. But anyway, um, I think to, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Kobe Bryant. And I think Kobe Bryant deserves more than having to go out and carry an organization by himself um, like that. From But you know what, though, Ken? But that's what that $48 million for two years means. I think that's that 48 that I think that was a... That, that was a huge He just wanted to retire a Laker. I agree. But, but 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 here but here's the thing. You pay a guy twenty four million dollars a year. You paying him to be the number one guy. And, and you paid him twenty four million dollars to sit out the rest of this year too. I feel you. I feel you. Injuries, of course. Still Kobe, though. Um, still Kobe. But no, I, I think just as an organization, there are way too many issues going on for Kobe. Yeah. Twenty four million dollar salary to overcome. That's a, that's a very good point, man. Very good point. I, mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. Like, what, what's your take on it, B, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to Q's question? Um, yeah, I, I think we, we had mentioned We talked about it before. I think, shit, with, with, with the players that Lakers have, shit, I wouldn't be surprised if Kobe averaged 28 a game because, hell, he don't got nobody else. It ain't like people said. There's nobody else to kind of take that load. So, you know, I don't know how um, – how, how serious his injury is going to be when he come back and he play a whole 82 games and still average, you know, 27, 28 a game. Because let's not forget, before he got injured that same season, Kobe was averaging like about 26, 27 a game. So he was still playing at a high level until he uh, injured his Achilles. So, you know, I think if he, if he, if knowing Kobe, 
is is a competitor as he is. I know he's training his ass off and working his ass off to get back to the hundred percent Kobe that we're used to seeing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's averaging if he's like top four, top five in scoring, you know, average points per game in this upcoming season. Because they don't have they don't have they don't have nobody. It's not like he yeah. got some help. I I, I don't Kobe I don't. Days. What's his age? Like thirty, maybe thirty-five. And you know that Kobe has played the most combined regular season and playoff minutes in NBA history, man. He's older than thirty-five as an NBA player, man. He's not. He's got some miles. Money wise. Yeah, yeah. I want to. But who they got? Who else? Who else the Lakers have? But 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 B, look, Kobe is a career mid forty percent field goal shooter. Career, bro. His best year, he didn't even come close fifty percent. So, so to me, you couple that with the Achilles injuries. Do you know how many players, older players, that has been kind of like that's the end of the road for you? And again, because he's Kobe, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I don't see him scoring. I don't see him being no top five scorer in the NBA. Come hey, on, man. He, he might. Hey, he might. Come on. I wouldn't dude. be surprised. Kobe, I mean, he'd be different. He'd be different. It's Kobe, man. I wouldn't be surprised because people, it's Kobe, people, bro. people, people, the year he that he's not like my year. No, the year, <laughs> no, the year, no, listen, though. The year he got hurt, he was, he was, he was like top four in scoring, and people didn't think I he was going to be top that. four. But B, I give you that. No, 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 no. B, B, B. Look, listen. If Kobe would have never got hurt, and we were talking about him signing this $48 million deal going into next year, I'd be like, yes, he's going to be a top five, top seven score in the NBA. But because of the injuries, because of the mileage, because of the Achilles, the knee, come on, I don't see it. I mean, mentality, though, mentally, man, Kobe, that's competitive, man. He's going to clock in. Because they're going to have something to prove. I, I mean, just, that's, and this yeah. is coming from a non-Kobe fan. You know, I'm, you know I'm not a Kobe fan, but I still respect this game. But, but, B, yeah. but B, at, at the end of the day, when your body, you, your mind can be as sharp as hell because your mind, as you get older, gets better because that's what experience is. But his right. body is starting to break down, and we're seeing that. It, I don't think that yeah. he's going to be able to overcome the physical aspect of the game anymore. Mentally, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning Kobe at all. And the only reason... The reason why I'm giving him benefit of the doubt is because he's Kobe. But physically, he can't beat Father Time. Father Time is undefeated, bro. Undefeated. Right. We, we'll see. All right. We, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we got four minutes, so I'm my bad. Yeah, we only got four minutes. You got anything else for us, Q? No, nah, just know that Kobe's chasing six. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a Kobe fan, per se, but I really do love Kobe for some reason. But <laughs> he chasing six, and anything it can happen. And everything will happen. That's what I think. I think Kobe will come back and do something. But that's just my opinion. Hey, well, as always, Q, man, yeah. thanks for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right. Peace. Peace. Phone number Q called, area code 646-478-0356. And where the hell did this show go, man? I mean, like... Yeah, it went by it, fast. It did. It, it literally fast. felt like we just... And, and trust me, folks... We haven't even gotten through half of the conversation. I guess we'll save it for next week. We sure did. Um, yeah. Let, let me throw something out real quick, man. Uh, since we talk hip hop all the time, man. T.I. Mayweather, man. See, <laughs> <laughs> for what was that about, man? Hey, you know, it's, hey, look, it's the power to keep us. That's why. Man, what, what, man, what I keep telling y'all, the box can take down nations. 
Y'all not listening to me. Yeah, man, but do you really think Floyd hit his old lady? I mean, nah, like, nah, nah, nah. I don't think nah, he did. Nah. Floyd, Floyd made a long. I don't think he did saying, either. No, nah, Floyd made a long statement saying, "Man, I've been cool with Tiny before her and Ti even got jumped off." So he was like, "Me and Tiny, we cool as hell." He was like, I, "I've never had sex with her. My attention was not even to have sex with her. She a cool chick, and I and I believe that. I think Tiny is just a cool hood chick. I, I really do." So I, I believe Floyd, Floyd made with a statement, him saying that, like, about the whole situation. He was like, look, you know, Tiny's a cool chick. I mean, she's been supportive of the Floyd Mayweather team since before her and T.I. was kicking it. So I think T.I. was just tripping, man. He seemed like he controlled his hell. <laughs> so, I, you know. I think T.I. was, I mean, of course, we don't know the whole story. I don't. I think T.I. was tripping. Um, I'll say this much, man. Yeah, you don't want to mess with nobody's wife. But then again, I mean... Tiny ain't the most attractive look. I mean, she ain't Beyonce or something. I mean, I'm just saying. And T.I., I don't want nothing, man. I don't want nothing with you in these streets in Atlanta, man. I don't want, I don't want let me let me retract that statement, man. You got guns. I don't want no problem. Anyway, <laughs> we get notification, man. We got about 60 seconds left in the show, man. Got to thank my man Q for calling in. Thanks, everybody, for calling in and listening on the line. Thanks, everybody, in the chat room. Thanks, everybody, check us out on Google Hangout, man. We're still working through the kinks. Definitely appreciate the support. Uh, appreciate the support and the love each and every Tuesday night. Remember, we'll be broadcasting live. Uh, check out this show. If you missed any parts of this show, check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. Uh, you can also check us out on Stitch as well. Uh, so for Ken, for B, for FIFO, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. We'll holler at you next week. Peace. Peace. Thunder and <laughs> 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 <laughs>